Hello everybody, I'm Tommy Vidal and welcome to episode 2 of the PDP, the Post-Duty Podcast, where we'll chat with many of our nation's finest about several military-related topics. Today's featured guest is Miss Robin Strom. Robin, are you ready to kick us off? Yes, I am. Awesome. Robin is a retired chief with 24 years of service in the U.S. Navy and Naval Reserves. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Nursing and works and resides in Charlotte, North Carolina. Robin, why don't you take a minute and fill in some gaps with that intro and tell us a little bit about your personal life. All right. So I've been married almost 30 years to a fellow Navy chief, um, two wonderful children, both married to fabulous spouses, and I have two adorable grandchildren, grandsons. And uh, this is all because of our amazing God. Awesome. So we'll get into that in a second, but I will say at least one of those uh, in-laws that you have is pretty wonderful, if I must say so myself. She sure is. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so for, for people that are listening, uh, Robin is actually my mother-in-law, and she was so gracious to uh, to do this with us. And uh, like I said, with her extensive military career, she definitely will have some insights on there. But uh, as far as that, once you, uh, I just want to say, who is your who are, who's your favorite in-law? Are you gonna you gonna mention that at all? Um, besides Abby, you are okay. Great. Well, I'll take that. I'm your, I'm your favorite son-in-law. Son-in-law. Favorite son-in-law. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, great. So, I guess going to transition to what we're here for is to talk a little bit about it. So, why don't you take us to the beginning? Uh, what initially got you answer, interested in the military? So my dad was in the Navy back in the day, and uh, when I was going through high school, it just kind of sparked an interest, and um, I joined when I was 16, and he, just the pride in his eyes just made it so worthwhile, and uh, I just wanted to follow kind of in his footsteps. I'm one of four kids, um, the only daughter, um, and I thought that would be pretty special, being the only daughter to follow follow him in his footsteps so you said 16 years old 16 I joined I had to have parental um, permission and I actually went off to boot camp when I was 17 and um, I actually turned 18 in boot camp very so, how was how was that that was process? wonderful they threw they threw me a fabulous birthday party awesome well I would, what kind of would it would they do what lots of push-ups and a lot of singing <laughs> that's great so okay let's kind of get into your career so why don't you tell us a little bit about your military career? So you started at 16, you got in, you got your parental consent within there. Um, so obviously we know you're in the Navy, you're a chief in the Navy. So give us as far as the, the length of time and maybe your MOS whenever you were uh, in your Navy career. So I joined as a hospital corpsman um, after boot camp, went to core school in Great Lakes. And from there, um, I was on active duty for my four initial years that's where I met my husband, Camp Lejeune, and uh, decided to marry and start a family. So I actually got out of the Navy for five years. and um, But I was missing the Navy big time, missing that camaraderie. So back in I went in the reserves after my two kids were born and ended up doing 20 years and retired at the 24-year mark out and, of the reserves. And we were at, I remember I was at that yes, retirement. Yep. Yeah, you were just um, senior in high school. I know it was a uh, it was a a moment. I don't know how I fit in at that point in time in your life, but uh, now. Yep, I think you guys were just dating, and um, and I was in Gulfport, uh, which was really special uh, at the time. My dad was a construction battalion. They call they're called CBs in the Navy. 
So after my core school and um, my naval hospital gigs, um, I actually went with the Seabees. I was assigned to the Seabees for eight years, which really made my dad excited. So I had a lot to share with him. And uh, then I finished up four years with a, the NATO, a NATO unit. So. I do remember that. I remember that you were, once you, okay, once you go a little bit, so NATO was happening, right? So you, that was you, my last four years. Your last four years, and you're traveling. And also, uh, and actually, you know, I'm going to pause because we'll actually get to this in a second. Um, and so I'll come back to that. So uh, I guess to go a little bit, you had a 24 year career within there. Maybe tell us a little bit about one of your proudest moments. Uh, with that 24 years um, of course pick one out. actually I have two I know you only said one nope, but I break fine. the rules um, of course when I made chief that was just so exciting and um, it was quite the accomplishment for anybody that makes chief just you know moving up in the ranks um, but it was just a, a, a proud feeling because I worked hard for it um, and I just it's, it's a brotherhood and sisterhood that you just can't imagine unless you're actually in it. So that was probably one of my proudest moments. And then my second proudest moment came uh, right before I retired. Um, my son went um, through ROTC training through, the, um, through college. And, and when he got... His, and hopefully we'll be able to get Tyler on here yes, as well. Yes, that would be great. Um, when he got his commissioning, he asked his, his mom and dad to be part of his ceremony. And that was my second part. We got to do our first salute to our officer, son, baby boy. So it was pretty exciting. So those are my two proud moments. And, I, and again, I'm, I was at least proud to be... Actually, I was a part of both of those yes. going back. Yeah, you've been so, a part of a lot of my military career. And, I know. Yeah. Now that I think, I can't believe I just thought about that. You've been in our family for a while. I know. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Well, we're keeping you. That's so. right. <laughs> it's in the contract. That's right. That's right. Um. So when, I guess going back, so when did you first uh, first start thinking about life after the military? Probably um, when I was in my NATO unit, um, I was really getting to travel um, abroad quite a bit with, with uh, wonder. oh, it was just such a great experience. Um, probably when you and my daughter started having children. And so that's that's actually what I was going to talk yes. a little bit about before. Is so okay. So just to kind of paint the picture here, is that you were traveling a lot with NATO, yes. and I know, and and the reason why I want to bring this up because I also know that in your Navy career you technically never deployed, right? So you never was on the ship, and you never Correct. went off. And I know that you felt that was kind of a void that you that you missed. Right? Yes. From, so from I actually that. volunteered. I was getting ready to. Vo I volunteered once to go to Iraq, and I actually got activated after 9/11 on a mobile training team. I was a military instructor at the time, so they actually activated me. I thought I was going um, to the Middle East, and they ended up um, put me in a training so I could actually train people to deploy. So I got my hands in a lot of the combat training and the navigation and all. So that was very rewarding. But again, I didn't get to go. So then I volunteered um, to go with, with a fleet, uh, actually with a battalion in the Seabees. And um, they had enough people. And it was like, wow, I'm really trying to volunteer to go over there. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the night before I was getting ready to volunteer to go to Afghanistan with a um, battalion that uh, you and my daughter Skyped with your positive pregnancy test. And I thought, this is my only daughter, my first grandchild. I'm like, you know what? This is just not the time for me to volunteer. I think I'm going to be needed, which I was. Well, and I would <laughs> say that, first of all, sorry for that. No. It, 
But yeah. it also too, um, I think it would obviously meant a lot for for Danielle as well as whenever you were there and all that too. And it took a lot of pressure off of me selfishly, right? From <laughs> yes. from that perspective. Um, so from that piece of it, I know that was kind of a tough moment. What were you do? I guess for people who are kind of in similar situations within that, how were you able to kind of cope with a little bit of that transition to kind of go, you know, as far as what you're thinking about life after the military, as far as that kind of date approach and when that happened, what was that kind of separation date kind of look like for you? How did that? So I was doing a lot of juggling between my reserve and civilian life because I had a full-time job as a nurse, um, as a civilian, and I had to commute to Atlanta, which was a four-hour drive once a month to my NATO unit um, every drill weekend. So it was actually um, kind of like a break in the making. Like I, I felt like it was time. I definitely knew it was time to, to stop. I wasn't getting any younger, but um, I, I felt like everything, besides being on a ship, I never did get to go on board a ship. And at that point, once I made chief, I didn't want to go on a ship because I knew they would torture me and torment me. Uh, that's off the record. <laughs> but um, Sorry, sorry. It's, it's recorded now. You can't do too much about it. That was probably one of my regrets and then just not deploying. But mm-hmm. um, with corpsmen, you don't always deploy. You don't always go on a ship. You, you're needed in hospitals and you're needed, you know, land on the land. So I felt like I did what I needed. I, I went where I needed to go and I did what I needed to do. So. And I think 24 years of that says a lot within itself within there. Yeah. Um, so to kind of go into that, so maybe take us back to one of the hardest things that you faced when you transitioned into civilian life. So you're in civilian life, but what is kind of that, uh, the thing that you can kind of pick out of there that was one of the toughest moments for you? Um, just the, and I'm not saying the mentality, but the discipline or lack of discipline with civilian versus military. Military is very, um, very respectful. They they promote that in the civilian world. It's so so much less of respect. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but I was very, um, oh, what's the word? I, like to the book, like I'm, I'm, I'm a abiding law a citizen. Planner. I'm definitely a planner, but it's just, it was just so vague to me in mm-hmm. the civilian world. And then I had to really watch and I'm not saying that I curse like a sailor, but you know, you, you just, it's a different way of life when you're so di- used to the discipline and the regiment and the structure. And then you go places where there's no structure. It's hard to get used to that. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny is that on the first episode, whenever we had uh, our fellow Marine David Green in here, one of the things he said that that one of the hardest things is this kind of thing is that he had to learn to stop cursing, you know, once he got in there because not everybody yes. was used to that nice, colorful language, right? Yes. So, um, as far okay, but going back to that is the the transition, not you know, the civilian life was you know not as pristine or by the book mm-hmm. what you said. Um, what was the kind of the key lesson or the lesson learned in this case from that hardest time that you uh, that you can provide the audience? Um, well, it's just patience. You have to have a lot of patience and you need to be very flexible and um, think outside the box a lot of times. And you have to remember not everybody has, you know, they don't have the same work ethic and they don't think the same way. 
Um, and you just have to accept people for who they are. Everybody's an individual and they're trained differently and one way is not better than the other. So it's a lot of patience learning and a lot of kind of just waiting and learning from each other. Mm-hmm. So, if, Are there any other tips that you would recommend to any veterans who are either about to transition or have transitioned now? I would say try to get in as much education as possible, unless you're, you know, really getting close to that transitioning retirement or getting out. Um, but the training, there's so many on-the-job training. There's certificates that you can get. Um, there's so many resources while you're on active duty or in the reserves. I know the IT department, you can get a ton of different certifications that's free to the active duty or reservist which costs a fortune out in town and, mm-hmm. you know, come away with that career with as much as, you know, the, the military offers, whatever brand, every branch offers different things, but pretty much the same things just in different MOSs. So I would say take advantage of the education, the benefits, and the, definitely the GI bill is really important to use. So I want to kind of go into that for a second. Again, no, no. Uh, being that I know you a little bit and some of the history within there, so you were in the reserves, and then while you were in the reserves, you had a civilian job, right? You yes. were a nurse. Yes. And then you were also going to school all at the same time. So maybe if you want to take it first, take a minute to tell us how that, how you were able to balance that piece of it. And then second, were there any of uh, you mentioned, you know, the GI Bill? I know there's like a post 9 11 bill and yellow ribbon uh, program that's all out there. Did you uh, capitalize on any of those? And if so, maybe kind of explain a little bit of that as well. Yes. When I first came back in and after my active duty stint, when I came back into the reserves, um, I actually put in for the GI Bill and went to surgical tech school. So I got my associate's degree, a two year program for surgical technology. And they paid, I believe, 80% um, with some extra um, little perks here and there. So they paid for all your books and all. So I took advantage of that. So I got my first degree at the beginning of my reserve career. Um, And then I worked 10 years in the surgical field before I decided I wanted to go back to nursing school. And they actually paid for um, a large portion as a reservist. I, I wasn't on active duty, so the active duty GI Bill pays... A lot more, if not all of it. But the reserve pays like 50 to 80% of different things. And it may have changed. I mean, this was a few years back. Mm -hmm. This is probably a decade ago. So that being said, um, there's money out there. There's um, different uh, resources that you can use to, to get that money. There's a lot of red tape, and a lot of people are turned off by that red tape. But there's ways around that, and that money, you've earned it. Um, there's not a lot of perks out there for military, so the ones that they do offer, I would definitely recommend you know, taking advantage of that. Yeah, and then maybe go back to the, uh, your, the balancing of the, the kind of trifecta, school, reserves, and civilian, because yes. I know there are so probably was... more people that are also doing that as well. So maybe, and then plus on top of that, you had two kids. Yes. Right as well, so you had really had four things with the if you had on the family life. So how yeah, were you able to balance was, that piece? I I drank a lot. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I'm not really kidding, but um, <laughs> no, it was a it was a tra- it was a struggle. Um, I also I was a full time nursing school during Hurricane Katrina, so we were displaced as well. So throw that on top of everything, kind of was a monkey wrench, but. Um, 
it took a lot of family support, a lot of friends support. Um, my church was huge. I mean, they, they helped out a lot, my church family. Um, I, I just, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of that support to help me through and I never gave up when it was really, really hard, but I, I worked full time, went to school full time. And then during her, the hurricane, we were displaced, uh, from new Orleans to, uh, Hattiesburg. So then I was commuting, leaving my children behind with my husband, but fortunately he's strong enough that he did the single parent pretty well. And, um, and like I said, just um, utilize your support. I, had, I used to have a hard time asking for help, and then when people were offering, I started taking advantage of it, and um, it was wonderful. It got me through. So it wasn't easy, but, you know, you put, you, you put a lot of work into it. You get a lot of results from it. So just yeah, don't so ever give hard, up. Obviously, hard work, don't give up. And then I think a lot, and we talked about this again going back to episode one, is your support system, right? Yes, so it's very that important. Is, that is key. And sometimes from mili- from a military standpoint, it's maybe there's might be a little bit of pride in there or you don't always want to reach out and ask for help, but obviously there are a lot of people going through the same things, right? Yes. So it's key to find, whether it's through church, programs, whatever it might be, their, uh, your support system yes. to help. The local YMCA, there's a lot of military resources out there if you need child care, um, I'm actually working with the family readiness group. Um, I know nothing about the army, but now that my son is in the army, I'm volunteer. I volunteer to be the, one of the co-leaders of the family readiness group. So now I'm actually learning more and more resources to help my, my soldiers families out while they're deployed. That's great. So, okay. So let's, uh, let's take a step back and let's go to back to your 16 year old self. And say, if you can go back and tell her or give her some ad- advice as you're going into the military, what would that be? To the 16-year-old this, that's Your 16-year-old self, yep. I would that's say just... try to get into the high school ROTC program if they offer one. And it doesn't really matter which um, branch because it's, it's just high school, but it kind of gives you a taste of what the military life is. A lot of people get to boot camp and they are so shell-shocked. And they're not used to um, being yelled at and face-to-face, you know, it's very difficult. My daughter used to say she would never have made it in the military because she doesn't like getting yelled at. She should be used to it because she got yelled at when she was And it's still true to this day, by the way. Yes, but she's stronger than you. She she knows she is. She's a lot stronger. But um, I would say try to get into that program. Um, t- the recruiters have courses that you can take in advance um, to get you used to it. Um, go to different military museums, learn, you know, I'm really big. I love history and I love researching things. So, um, definitely put some research into it. But as a 16 year old, you know, you just, I wanted to travel the world in my very first duty station when I, I put in for Hawaii, aboard ship, overseas, Europe, everything. And they sent me to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And I'm like, I'm in the Navy. Why am I going to a camp? You know, so it was... Not what I was expecting, expecting, but I eventually did get to do all that traveling and all. So, very cool. Okay, yep. so we're gonna tr- switch it up a little bit. So we're gonna go into the the speed round, and that's where I'm gonna ask you a question, and then you just pop an answer. If they get a little long winded, that's fine. He not, knows not, me well. Not not a, not a big deal, uh, but it's question and answer. Okay. All right. You ready? All right. What is the best advice you ever received? 
Um, I would say praise in public and discipline in private if you're in a leadership position. A military resource you would recommend? Uh, my favorite's military um, one source. A book you would recommend and why? Well, I love The Lone Survivor. I, you probably have seen the movie, but the book is even better. Um, it just, um, it's that camaraderie, that brother and sisterhood that you never will experience unless you're in the military. What advice would you give our listeners if someone was contemplating joining the military? Um, open yourself up to try new things. I know once you get your ASVAB scores back, they give you a list what you're qualified for. And if the one that your heart is set on, um, you can retake that test over again. So don't give up and don't let them talk you into being a mechanic if you don't want to be a mechanic. So, What would you tell a service member who is close to their separation date? Make sure your medical and dental is checked out and don't let them discharge you or retire you until you get everything that you need done. I think that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> um, so as closing, um, maybe just go and give us a, a last parting piece of advice to our listeners. In addition, to if someone wants to connect with you, how would they do that? Um, I'm available email and on Facebook, but... Um, you know, travel the world, uh, take advantage of, you know, the jobs. I mean, you're not stuck in one job. If you're not happy in it, you can transfer to another one. You can cross rate. Um, there's so many different jobs, excellent training out there. Um, I, I will work with any military person anywhere just because of their work, work ethic alone, but it's just, it's an experience and, um, you know, God bless America. I'll take it. Thank you today for, for joining and thank you to, for having and, me and, to, and sharing your experiences and all that too. Um, I would say that you, I don't know if you necessarily had uh, an option being that, you know, I can <laughs> hold my kids hostage of your scene if you didn't come and join. But nonetheless, uh, thank you so much. And then going back to a quote we'll, uh, that Mr. David Green said, uh, and we'll close it with this is Jesus is your spotter. So shoot appropriately. You've been talking with Robin Strom and Tommy Vidal. Y'all have a good night. Hope you've enjoyed our chat today with Robin Strom. Remember to follow us on our social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's all at Post Duty. Don't forget to check us out at postduty.com for any career and educational opportunities. Lastly, if you'd like to be featured guest on this podcast, just email us at staff at postduty.com. That's staff at postduty.com. That will be it for today. TV over and out.